Hi, this is Jason Pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. We really do appreciate you listening. This is our third week in our fall series uh, where we're looking at the book of Acts. We're doing an overview and how the church started and how we fit into that church. Uh, we hope that you enjoy this time. We're going to be in Acts, I think, 13 weeks is what we decided now. Um, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com or you can go to your app store on your smart device and look, uh, search for Casper Alliance Church. Download the uh, double C's. Uh, and you'll be right there with us. And you can join us online. You can message us. We can talk to each other. Hey, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye. I know I, I do this a lot. Well, I don't know if I do it a lot, but Denise faithfully comes up here every Saturday and makes sure that the bathrooms don't smell like it's just been Wednesday night and your kids over here. And thank you, Denise, for cleaning and serving and just being part of our, our life here. We appreciate it. Yeah, you clap that one up. Um, all right. Um, I'm going to... I don't know if that's even true. <laughs> all right. We have a, just a handful of verses. Um, probably the most preached verses in all of Acts. And uh, I, don't, I'm not gonna, I don't think we're going to do anything unique with it today. Uh, every time I, I say this, and I, I'm too transparent probably, um, I was like, this is going to be really short. I have one thing I need to say. It ends up going for 70 minutes. So, but I, I really do want this to be very crystal clear and short. Um, and we're not going to invent anything new today, but I, I have one kind of idea uh, with this text. Now, this text has been used to write books, to uh, structure churches, which is appropriate, um, anybody read the the purpose driven life? That that's what this book is is shaped on, um, and so that comes from a book that came before that called the Purpose Driven Church, and and that just these are the principles within that. Uh, the um, Rick Warren uses these few verses and creates a, a structure about how a church should operate, and clearly that's what's happening here. In fact. That's what Luke is doing when he writes this. And many times uh, through the book of Acts, which we'll, we'll get to and we'll see, he gives kind of a church checkup. Here's what's happening in the church. And, and that's the whole point. We're going to see uh, this year of biblical literacy. We want to talk about the church. And remember, the church is the vehicle by which God has ordained, created, planned, uh, planted, and pushed out to be the gospel presentation to the world. Uh, the church that meets in Africa and in China and Iran and in Europe and in the U.S. and South America and all over the world, Australia, they're meeting um, for the same purpose, to advance the good news the, the, in the kingdom of God. That, and we all have different styles and different like, things we're excited about and ways in which we do it. And, and what we're going to talk about, uh, hopefully regularly over the next few weeks uh, up through the end of November, is what sort of uh, corner of the market are we supposed to have as Casper Alliance Church? What's our, our particular identity and how do we, how do we begin to uh, leverage and, and be who God's called us to be in this particular corner of Casper? And, and we have a vision statement, we have values, uh, and, but when you peel those away, it really it does get to what's going to be said here in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is the core of the church. Every church should be practicing this. Every church should be living this out. Every church should be doing this. That's, that's just the nuts and bolts of church. So here's the thing. 
I haven't referenced this beautiful location in a long time, but I will today. When I started general managing Wendy's, <laughs> some of you are laughing because you're like, there's a four-year history of this guy referencing Wendy's. Some of you are like, why is that even funny? Uh, and that's the point, by the way. There's some people who are like, get it. Uh, there was like, I did like, what, 50-some weeks in a row where I referenced Wendy's, and then it became kind of like a... I guess a church meme, is that what we call those things now? Um, to where like, is he gonna say Wendy's or not? And then I switched it up and everybody was craving Arby's for a week, remember that? But so here's the deal. When I started managing a Wendy's uh, in, in Roseville, Minnesota, uh, which is, you know, just a town, it's a suburb in between, it's, it's not that great. It's in between Minneapolis and St. Paul. And I, I, st I, I started managing this Wendy's. And this Wendy's was a, what's called a lunch our Wendy's. There's a bunch of office complexes and all. So from, from 10 till two o'clock, this place was bonkers, like just crazy. And then after two o'clock, it was really nothing. There was literally nothing that happened there. Once everybody went home, you just kind of like, you, so the best shifts really were at night. You just, um, in fact, the first like six months of Adrienne and I's relationship was formed by me talking on the phone with her from Wendy's. That's why I was managing from the office, and everybody, I think, kind of hated me for because I really didn't do anything, but there was nothing to do. So anyway, after, after getting really good at managing this Wendy's, the, the corporate office said, Jason, we love what you do here, and we were really good. We got a, we got a lunch crew, I got a lunch crew going. We want to send you to this store to, to build it and to start it out. Uh, it's going to be a training store. We're going to bring managers from across the country in, and they're going to learn the, the Wendy's way. Dave's way is what they called it. And so they sent me to Maple Grove, Minnesota, which is, again, another beautiful suburb north of the Twin Cities. And this is where it get, gets interesting in, in kind of my management life. I got to do everything I wanted because I was running this place, and I got to build it how I wanted to build it. And so everybody, I got to choose who to hire. My core people I got to choose. Uh, I, I got to put them in positions that I wanted. I got to create the schedule. I got to manage the food processing and all of those different things to where we were, to where it was incredibly, incredibly streamlined and it was everything I wanted and it was, it was, it was just running like a machine because I got to build it how I wanted to build it. And we were, so the way in which those stores would launch is we would do like a soft lunch opening and we would be open from 10 till like one o'clock and we'd run lunch like three days and people would come and be like, oh, I didn't know you're open. And we're like, we're kind of not open. We're just testing out. And we would do that over the course of a few months. And then eventually we would go to full fledged. Just here we go. And that store Maple Grove just started crushing it. Right. And, um, because frankly, because I got to build the system the way I wanted to build the system. I got to hire the people I wanted to hire. I got to have the ones that I wanted there, the ones I trusted, the ones I, I spent time with, the ones I pulled from other stores that I had already trained in Roseville that I was like, this is going to be my core team. And we were wildly successful. When, when they started building other restaurants around this store and get, enforcing me, taking co-managers or assistant managers and promoting them to general managers, and my team started to change and I just had to receive what, whatever came in, things broke down. My system that I had built was because there was nothing pushing against it. And as soon as something started pushing against it, everything started to be more clunky and complicated and hard and difficult. And we went from a really beautiful streamlined, my life was not stressful to like, this is chaotic. 
and this Krispy Kreme is causing our lunch rush to go bonkers. And I, I don't have the people. I don't have the, and, and it was a different location in the city that wasn't surrounded by colleges. And so I didn't have a workforce. And it just got, it went from awesome to garbage because I didn't get to choose who my employees were. I just could take who was coming and who was willing to come work for $7 an hour. And it, it was horrible. It was an influx of all these people that I just didn't trust or know or care. And so things got incredibly broken to where eventually I was like, you know what? Send me somewhere else and bring in a new GM because I don't want to do this. And so then my, my MO in the corporate world of Wendy's International was I would go into inner city stores, clean them up, and get them streamlined. And then I'd be out. And they'd move me around to these different hard places. Well, here's the deal. How does that relate to Acts? Before Acts chapter 2, there's this little group of 120 people. They get to do what they want, how they want, and it's the people that they've chosen They've even decided who, who's going to replace Judas. They've got to select this group of people, and, and they lived with this group of people. And so everything was easy from the sense of, like, this is how this is supposed to be. And now we're just going to wait for Jesus to come back because he said he's coming back. These two guys said they're coming back. And then everything flip-flopped when the Holy Spirit landed on the planet. And 3,000 opinionated Jewish believers, new believers, were added to this church of 120 in one day. Thanks. Communication, systems, how we do life, all of the different things we've practiced were just like, and now it's just chaos. It's absolute chaos. Now, if I'm a leader of this church, if I'm a, if I'm a Peter, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Send me to the hood of Minneapolis and let me deal with that because at least I know what kind of garbage I'm getting into every day. We had this beautiful thing, this wonderful thing, and all of a sudden, the, the thing that I wanted happened. And 3,000 people, well, you know what? People are complicated, right? People are any sort of organization, any sort of uh, business, school, it doesn't matter. When you increase the population, it increases the confusion. It increases the complications. It in increases all the things that we're annoyed by. It just, that stuff increases, okay? That's what's happening here. 3,000 people joined the church on one day. 3,000. That's one of the bigger churches in this country right now. In a healthy Church environment, 3,000 is, is ridiculously big. It's impossible to figure out. And, and especially people who haven't, don't have their doctorates in church management. So you see how co incredibly complicated this. Now, when things get incredibly complicated, now here's the whole point. Get simple. Get very simple. Major on the majors. Um, in this church family, our church family, we've, you, if you've been in parts of some kind, and you, I mean, if you ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer every single time. I'll overshare to a, to a fault. We can look around and say, you know, I don't know that person, and I don't know that person, and I don't know that person. Over the last two years, we've had incredibly exciting and fun growth. There's new families here, and there's new people here, and guess what? That's made our church a little more complicated. And to where it's not as simple and as easy to just hang with the people that were here before. 
there's new opinions and new ideas and new ways in which to do church and new, new uh, uh, emphases and new like leaders. And it makes things incredibly complicated. And not in a bad way, but in a way that goes, you know, I don't know what we're doing. And it's confusing. And, and what happens when, when the leadership is used to leading in a certain way and doesn't adapt to the 3,000 new people that come into a church, things get wildly out of control and angry. And, and people have opinions. I mean, this is, I've joked about this at home, uh, and this is why I'm oversharing, I'm sorry, to where the church is the only place where everybody that sits can tell the person who's paid to be there that he's wrong. <laughs> it's the only job environment where that's real and to where I have to listen to it. And, and, and not even listen to it, maybe submit to it in some ways. Think about that. You all have opinions on how church should look, every last one of you. I do too. If I were to sit in a church, I would within minutes have an opinion on how it's supposed to look, regardless if I've, if I've been there more than, more than like a year or two minutes. I just show up and go like, hey, you know what? This song's a little tacky. The way in which they do kids ministry, I wouldn't like it. There's not enough safety protocols. You know what? Who's the youth pastor? He kind of looks like a dirt bag. I would never send my kid to hang out with that. You know, the worship leader had too many tattoos for me to feel comfortable with. I'm not sure I'm into piercings at this point in my church life. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, the opinions. You know, the communion bread's a little stale. But you've got a whiteboard. I have a whiteboard with four bullet points. Everyone has an opinion at the church. Everyone. It's beautiful. And every, let me just say this again. When you add the number that was added to the 120, when you had 3,000, 3,000 people, it changes the math, not just from what we are as a church, but from a leadership perspective. And it gets chaotic. When I was leading Wendy's, I, in doing that, I, I was like, when this doesn't match my comfort zone, I'm out. Now, I've learned from those kind of mistakes that I need to put my helmet on, maybe tighten up my belt a little bit, maybe tuck my uh, pants into my boots, uh, put my knee pads on, and actually scrub a little harder and get a little dirtier and be willing to, be willing to get in messy and figure out the problems, right? That's where this church is currently living. Casper Alliance Church is like I'm figuring out, oh, I need to put on some knee pads and scrub a little bit harder, and learn a little bit more. And maybe get it, it just not, it's not just going to happen. And I'm not just, we're not just going to fast forward to the point where we're all comfortable again. Right? And so, as beautiful as that would be, it's not happening. And that's, but here's the, here's the sweetness of church. Wrestling that down is, is what strengthens every church on the planet understanding why we exist and, and how to incorporate new people and to begin to be uh, streamline our communication, our conversations, and our vision and values is where every church finds its life for moving forward and how they're gonna do it. Now, the Spirit of God empowers us. We are called by Jesus to follow him, but I'm talking like the motivation to go, okay, we got this, we, we're working how to figure this out. Like, there's a graciousness that comes over a church when we're willing to like, I'll put our knee pads on and get, get busy, right? Now, here's the deal. Let's get into the text. It was already read for you, but I wanna, I wanna give this like just clear, I think, as day point for this whole deal, the whole thing. All believers devoted themselves to teaching, 
Let's just write it down. There's four things that they did. This is the simple stuff. Teaching. Now, if you can't see it, I'm sorry, but it's fun to do. It's fun for me to write. I just feel so effective as a teacher. Fellowship. Maybe not in this order. Prayer. What's the last one? Teaching, fellowship, prayer. No, that's fellowship. No, no, I have them written down. I'm going to make sure it's right. Teaching, fellowship, breaking your bread, prayer. Yes, you're right. Eating. How could I forget eating? Now, some people say breaking of bread in a way that's like communion. This is literally eating. This is eating together. Now, imagine you have 3,000 people that show up to your church, and now that you have to pull off a potluck. (laughs) The amount of cheesy potatoes at that potluck is just preposterous. But this is... But the eating part of it is critical. The praying part of it is critical. The fellowship part of it is critical. The teaching is critical. Now, here's the critical piece. I want to make sure I capture what I, I... This is the whole point of all of this. Help me... Every 3,000 person is saying this. Help me understand... What I'm, oops, feeling. I'm a new Christian. I've just given my life to Christ. Peter just stood up and yelled at me, told me to repent and be baptized. And I say, yeah, I'm in. Dunk me in the whatever. Let's go. And I repent. I've turned from my sin. And now, I've, now I have this thing that's happening inside of me. Help me understand what I'm feeling. Help me understand what I'm experiencing. Help me understand what's going on inside of me. That's 3,000 collective people saying, help me understand it. Okay, you know what we're not doing? We're not not inviting you to this workshop and to that workshop and to this ministry and to that ministry and to you. And these are all important, by the way. Do you want to serve in the nursery? Would you like to help in kids' ministry? We need youth leaders. They're not doing that. And I'm saying we're going to continue to do that, by the way. But this is what's happening. Help me understand what I'm feeling. Okay, I want to teach you. I want to teach you. Now, a person who's had some change happening in their heart, who's just repented, turned, they're like, teach me something. Help me know. And the core teaching here that's happening, by the way, is help me connect my heart experience, what just happened when Peter screamed in my face and told me I was a sinner. Help me connect to that, to what he was actually saying. Help me understand how this Old Testament that he was preaching through connects to what just happened in my heart when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Help me understand that. So you have a a person that says, I I believe, I repent, I want to be baptized. And then I need to understand why I what I'm believing. What what did I what did I just believe? Because I feel good about it, and everybody's speaking my language, and there was fire and it was crazy, and I got caught up in the moment. But I want to know what's happening inside of me. Help me understand that. After that teaching stuff really starts to go, they're like, you know what? It's not, we can't do this in 3,000 people. I can't, I mean, we just don't have the electronics to pull off a 3,000 person talk at this particular point in time. So let's, let's gather in everybody's district. This is a big place. Go to the temple courts. Let's just gather and, and, and be together at the temple 
and we'll be together. So we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna like get into some small groups and go out. And so that this teaching thing, which we're trying to do to 3,000 people, really is more effective if we, if we get here and get to some smaller people. So let's, let's get some leaders and, and, and have them take and start to teach together. And while you're there, make sure you eat because the best things that happen at a dinner table is honesty. The best things that happen at a dinner table are confession. The best things that happen at a dinner table are laugh, is laughter. So sharing good food and good drink with people is a great way to get to know them. And then all of that's going on. They're like, we, this experience we're having, we got to talk to the power source. Let's talk to God. Now, these are the four things that they started to major in. Let's do these things. Let's figure this out to do these things because all this other complex stuff and, and everything, all these other opinions on where we should, how we should do this and how we should take over the Roman government. And now that we have 3,000 of us, I think we can, I think we can run this place. And I, I mean, no, 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 no. Help people understand what they're feeling, what's happening inside of them. Every, every piece of this is to help a new believer, a continuing believer, an old believer understand what's happening inside of them. And this is where I think it's really crucial for the church of today. Each one of you in this room who loves the Lord should be having that very experience there's something happening inside of me. There's something that's stirring me up. Help me understand it. Help me know what this thing that I'm feeling is. What is this? What is, what is happening inside of me? And there is, we, we are so scared to admit that we don't know that we're unwilling to just walk through with people and to, and to hang out with people and, and to just... And we're so scared to feel that we don't want to admit when something's kind of turned upside down inside of us. I got this, uh, sorry, Leah, I know you like to be acknowledged. I got this uh, text from Leah um, this week asking me a couple questions. And I looked at the text that she, like, she asked me to understand this particular passage of scripture. And I haven't spent a lot of energy in, in my previous years. I'm not saying do it like I do. I, I hear myself saying that right now, but like, Maybe I'm so committed to failing as a human that I'm willing to just fail out loud in front of everybody. But I, instead of just popping off an answer to Leah, I'm like, you know, I don't know. And I need to think about this. I need to do some study before I give you an informed answer. So this question that a person in our church gave to me made something happen inside of me. And that thing that happened inside of me made me want to go, I need to know this on a deeper level and understand it on a, on a, on a, on a, on a way to where, not so I can be the pastor and help Leah understand something, but so that I can understand it because it made me feel a certain sort of way to where like, I don't know that. I don't, I don't just, I can't, I can't just go, here's the, here's the answer. Now, I, you ask me 17 other questions that are in my wheelhouse, I'll knock that guy out of the park. I've got opinions on all kinds of things. Man, I, he is like, I'm sick of this guy. <laughs> so all of these things, all of these, all of the core, like, <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's hungry is what he is. I have not met one of Caleb's kids who isn't hungry, by the way. <laughs> I saw them smashing donuts out there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
That's exactly right. We're committed to food here at this church. I, um, this thing should be happening inside of us regularly to where we want to seek out some understanding, some community, where we seek the Lord in prayer and to where we can like, you know, um, I was, I was doing some devotion this week and, and uh, there's a sequence in Mark where, they, where, where the, the gospel repeats multiple times, he leaned back, he leaned back, he leaned back, he reclined from the chair, from the table. There's this moment where at the table where you're like, all right, we're all bare before each other. Let's be honest. The reclining is let's be honest. And, and, and when we're eating together, we're just, we're honest. And we, we're like, we begin to explore and understand and try to like get a hold of like, what's this thing that's going on inside of me? So what's, what's the guts of what I'm saying today? There should be something going on inside of you that draws you into like craving teaching, craving fellowship, seeking the Lord in prayer, and, and hungry to be with God's people and share a meal with them. That thing should happen in all of us. And when that happens in all of us, collectively, that's where you start to see God unlock the potential of a church. Doesn't matter style. Um, doesn't matter uh, even like, like what part of the spectrum theologically they are on, if they're Calvinist or they're Arminian. It doesn't matter if they're charismatic or, or, um, or not. But when this hunger and, des- and God starts to do, and use, they start to respond to this thing that's happening inside of me, it just moves. I read about this Anglican church in Tennessee that exploded in growth. You, if you know anything about the Anglican church, that's not, it's not like a right church for growth. It's not. But because, because as a collective, this transformation began to happen individually. They collectively began together. They did the core stuff. They sought teaching. They sought fellowship with one another. They sought, they sought the Lord and, 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 and were after him in prayer. They met together. This is when the church just explodes. And this is where I'm so committed as, a, as your leader, as this church's leader, that growth is a sign of the hunger of God's people and what God is doing. Growth is, listen, we are not in a beautiful room. <laughs> and we're not, I mean, we're not talented from top to bottom like a lot of churches. We're hungry. And when people come into this place, they feel that. And when God adds more people, it gets complicated. But it's our job as the people who love this church to sort that out regularly, to work on that regularly, to be responsive to that thing that's happening inside of us that says, help me understand what, what this thing I'm feeling is. And my, my uh, rebuke slash exhortation is if you're not, no, I like exhortation because it makes me feel smart. If you're not feeling something, experiencing something from God in your life, to use one of my favorite people in this room, that's a you problem, not a God problem. 
That's a, that's a you problem. And that freaks me out more than anything else. Because we can set the stage and put the dominoes up for you to push down. And if, if you're not sensing, feeling, I listen to what I say. I'm not the most brilliant speaker on the planet, but every week I yell about Jesus at some point. And just hearing the name of Jesus should make you go, yes, I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for whatever that is. We might not have the type of worship that you want, but every single Sunday, the name of Jesus is praised in this place. We might not have this type of structures that are perfect, but every, <laughs> every Sunday, people are here wanting to serve. And so as we add and get clunkier, and we add 3,000 to 120, that's not, those aren't real numbers. The 120 probably is real, but the 3,000 isn't. It gets complicated. And I'm asking that we experience that thing that the Spirit of God is doing inside of us, and we step into it and say, yes, I feel that. Now I'm going to put my stinking helmet on. I'm going to put my shin guards on, and I'm going to show up even though things aren't the way I want them to be, and I'm going to work at being teachable, caring about my community, seeking the Lord, and by God's grace, I'm going to at some point invite people back into my house to eat dinner with me again. COVID was a beautiful, convenient excuse for me to never have anybody at, I shouldn't say it out loud where I live, you all know where I live, and into my home. We have not had people in our house. That's a failure of the Faisal family. Because that's one thing that we're really good at. We know how to make carb-loaded food <laughs> with cheese on it. <laughs> and we have a big television that we like to watch sports on. Go Lions. You see the, the heartbeat of what happens as a church grows. We have to stop focusing on the complicated pieces uh, in a way to where we're critical we focus on these. Abby, I referenced you in church. See ya. That, I said that's a you problem, not a me problem. Um, when we become critical of the things that are confusing, it actually deters the mission and vision of the church. Now, I'm not saying that we don't ask questions and we don't try to figure it out. I'm going to be the first one to be critical of everything because that's who I am just by nature. But when we're hungry inside and we see and feel that thing that Jesus is doing in us, it should push us into these four spots, not one at a time, but all at the same time. And that's what the church is doing. And this is a checkup for the church. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. But the thing inside of you should draw you into wanting to understand, to wanting to be with God's people, to wanting to share fellowship with them, to seeking him in prayer. That's what should be happening.